This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM 111. Welcome to Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School of Sears XM 111. I'm Cheryl Kuhlman. And good morning, I'm Sandy Hunt. And we're here live every Thursday morning from 8 to 10 Eastern, and then we're replayed during the week and accessible also on our app. Yes, there are also podcasted versions of many of our episodes that you can find on our website. We'll make sure that we tweet and share those out at Wharton Social. Um, so you can check out these episodes at another time or go back and write down a few things if you're listening in your car. And I want to remind you all that um, if you want to call in during this show, we're at 1-844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. And we, we will have our three guests, a great discussion coming up. Then at the, uh, the end of the show, the 930 segment, where it's an open discussion at that point. So that's a good time for you to call in. Think about what you've listened to. Raise some questions. Tell us who you'd like to hear on on the show because we, uh, we 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 run over all of the kinds of newsletters and news ports, and but we're always interested in seeing who, who can we bring on, who's really uh, you know topical mm-hmm. around the discussions. So, let me tell you a little bit about who we've got on our show. Our first guest will join us in a moment. She's Jennifer Coombs, a professor at the College for Financial Planning, where she's working directly with a new program that that will be very relevant for our listeners. At the bottom of the hour, the Senior Director of Sustainability, Corporate Social Responsibility, and Social Innovation at the Hershey Company, Jeff King, will be on talking about how their company tackles social impact. It's a little warm in here. I just think about chocolate melting. I know. That is not an (laughs) in-studio guest, so we won't won't have any samples we'll be munching away on, but um, a great for Philadelphians. This is a a local-ish company out here in central Pennsylvania, and a good chance to hear about, you know, what they're doing. Good. And then at 9 a.m. Eastern, an hour from now, we have Meredith Ferguson, the Managing Director of Do Something Strategic, which is tied to DoSomething.org. Mm-hmm. And she'll be our final guest and share the results of a study that they've done on young people and millennials. Um, and that I've looked at some of the stats on that, and that is going to be very interesting. Mm-hmm. So, Okay, right now we're going to welcome Jennifer Coombs, professor at the College for Financial Planning. She's also the lead author and lead instructor for the new chartered SR. IC counselor designation at the college, and that'll be a, a, the topic of our discussion. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Did you have a good fourth? I did, thank you. Yes, had buffalo burgers in Colorado. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hopefully, the weather in Colorado was cooler than the hundred plus degree day here, here in, the, in the Northeast. Yeah. Well, you know it's. It's really hot out here as well, but there's no humidity, so that helps quite a bit. But I understand what you mean. I've been in New York for a long time, and uh, I'm originally from Vermont, so it's humid there as well. Yeah, yeah. So, Jennifer, tell us what the College for Financial Planning is. So, it actually is a real college. Um, It was founded in 1972 and is the premier creator of the Certified Financial Planner designation. You may have seen uh, the ads for them on TV recently. Uh Um, And uh, the college was created as a way to uh, optimize that industry, which back in the 70s was um, a time when that industry was needed to develop, particularly for retirement. 
Um, we are accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Um, at the same time, too, we offer uh, two master's degree programs, a master's of science and finance and a master's of science in financial planning. Huh. And um, we're the premier educator of the CFP education program. As you know, it's a pretty rigorous uh, designation to obtain. Yeah. Um, and uh, the CFP board of directors is now a national, an independent organization that determines the material that needs to be taught to students every year. And we adapt our curriculum to meet their expectations. And I will say, as maybe I'm just a little bit biased, but I believe that our programs are some of the best in the country because we over-prepare students for that exam so much so that we have one of the highest pass rates in the country. I was just going to say, you um, must have a very high pass rate then. Yes, yes. Our students are really, really uh, into this and, and very um, – uh, willing to learn more than they probably are required to. So that's awesome. So Je- Jennifer, that, really so, quickly, yeah. I just want to interject to ask for our listeners who aren't too familiar with the CFP designation and, and the importance of it. Can you give an overview of what it means to be a certified financial planner, what it means you've accomplished and why it was important to have a sort of institutional good housekeeping seal of approval on these professionals? Sure, absolutely. So as you know, financial planning is very uh, complex. There's so many aspects that need to be considered in an individual's long-term financial plan, investments, uh, insurance, retirement plans, estate planning, taxation questions. All of these are wrapped it together into this program, and it was designed more to give um, be, allow financial planners to become generalists, but also to specialize in different areas. And then to work together with other financial planners, perhaps to uh, shift expertise, if you will, um, to others when uh, when you need clarification on something, when you feel like you better serve a client uh, differently. And it stems primarily from a time when uh, um, pensions, uh, corporate pensions were dwindling Mm. and you had a bunch of individuals who were reaching retirement age come to find that the company had spent their pension money and there was nothing left for retirement yikes this was coinciding at the time when uh erisa was passed um to uh ensure that companies were going to keep employees retirement in their best interest and they weren't going to tap into funds they had to ensure that there was going to be retirement money available to them. That being said, the public was just um, flabbergasted at what to do about retirement because generally they left it in the hands of the company and had no idea what to do for themselves. So this stemmed from an area when they said, okay, here's a way that we can help these people um, individually since they hadn't had to deal with this as much so as they had in the past. Sure. So hopefully that helps. Yeah, once you have to make decisions about your retirement and where to invest and how much to put in your 401k, it becomes a far more complex thing than just waiting for the pension that your company was going to give you, and they were making all those decisions. Exactly. And and can you tell us a little bit, Jennifer, what, what does someone have to go through to get this certification? So if you're deciding between a financial planner who has this certification or not, what is the one? Cousin Patty from next door. Exactly. Right? What is this, uh, you know, an official CFP? What have they gone through and proven? And um, tell us a little bit about that. So the process itself takes 
quite a long time. There are six separate education, well, there's two education requirements. First, they have to have a bachelor's degree. Secondly, they have to go through a separate uh, curriculum of six courses, um, and they have to pass an exam for each of those courses. And each of those courses is um, a three-credit-hour class, so about uh, eight weeks long, um, in order to have the education requirements necessary just to sit for the board exam. So, uh, you know, multiply that eight-week class times six. That's quite a lot of education that needs to happen up front just before they can sit for this exam. And um, as I mentioned earlier, each of the... Uh, areas are broken down into um, insurance. Uh, there's an ethics component listed with that too. Um, investments, retirement, taxes, estate planning, and then there's a, a flagship project that they have to include at the end. That's a, uh, a massive, comprehensive financial plan that encompasses everything that they've learned too. So, wow. um, sounds yeah, sounds quite challenging. Quite challenging. It is. So if you go ahead. CFP, then you know that they've gone through quite a bit to get there, and they definitely deserve it. Well, that's great to hear. You're listening to Dollars and Change on Sirius XM 111. Uh, we are talking to, with Jennifer Coombs, who's a professor at the College for Financial Planning. And Jennifer, one of the things that made us very excited to bring you on the show today was a new development in um, the possible specialization and certification of a financial planner, and that is the Chartered SRI Counselor. So this is a sustainable and responsible investment specific designation. Obviously, music to our ears that there's enough (laughs) of a market that this is something that um, we are seeing a new certification around. But tell us why, from from where you guys sit, you know, at the College for Financial Planning, what was happening in the industry? What made you say this is necessary and valuable to put into action now? Now's the time, yes. Right. So, I mean, I could argue that the trend started happening within the last 30 years. The concept has been around for hundreds of years, um, potentially thousands, but and if I had to pin it down on uh, what is going on now, I'd say there's two things uh, that have gone down in the past few years. Uh, the first one is uh, the current political environment, both here and abroad. And what investing, at least to me, always seemed to emulate was the private sector has the ability to force the public sector's hand to act when things are gone askew. If the political environment is not conducive to what they want to see, they can use their dollars as a means of voting, mm-hmm. so to speak, mm-hmm. and they can move them to act. And without you know going into much specifics, I think you know as well that the current political environment is a bit sour here, a bit sour abroad. And uh, this is a way for them to help um, steer the industry into an area that's more conducive. The second aspect... And and so would you summarize um, that as sort of an increase in individuals' commitment to mobilizing their investment capital for positive social impact? Yes, that and also the fact that corporations are now taking a bit more of a public stance on social issues. Okay, and um, and sustainability as well. 
um, they're they're doing a combination of both. Um, I mean, there's I could give plenty of examples of how they they're they're doing that nowadays. But you see mostly that uh, companies are are starting to interact more with their client base and social media. Um, and, and basically making a stance for certain individuals. Got it. Okay. So your so your first point, not to take you off track, there is, you know, politics have changed. There's some unrest around how our world is being shaped, and that's one big trend for um, leading to the creation of this SRI certification. What's the second? So the second is something that I think you you have a guest later on that's going to probably discuss in more detail, and that's um, the idea is that millennials are poised. To become the largest consumer group within the next two years. And oh, it's that soon. Interesting. It is, yes. Um, there was a Pew study, I believe. Um, yeah, the Pew Research Center had predicted that they will surpass the baby boomer generation in 2019, and that Generation X will surpass the baby boomers in 2028. So coming up pretty quickly on that. And um, there was a great white paper that was published by Morgan Stanley back in 2017 that uh, demonstrated just how much more millennials are interested in this area of investing than the general population. The other difficulty too, and why it's, it's, it's just starting now, and I believe it's really going to take off in the next few years, is the fact that only about a third of the millennials that are in the workforce are actually investing in their retirement plans. That's so a low number. It is. It's, it's actually really low. It's but very I surprising don't... given that millennials yeah. typically saw their parents or communities impacted by the recession to hear that, that number. What's, what's behind it? I think it's just having to do with how few there are in well-established areas at the moment. It's shocking at the moment. So I know, more entrepreneurs or more folks at small yes, companies exactly. that don't have retirement plan options? Okay. Exactly. So then they'd be forced to create their or, or do their own IRAs separately on the side and not fully understand the importance of that yet. Right. I do believe, though, that in the next 10 years, that is really going to change. Um, all indications show that, and it happens too with a lot of generations that they'll start off with not that many of them investing now, but then something around age late thirties, early forties kicks in and they say, Oh, wait a minute, I should be saving for retirement now. Uh, this is, this is usually when that happens. And there's anyone listening under 30, start now, (laughs) start now. (laughs) Exactly. Um, so what Morgan Stanley had done was they had found that between 2015 and 2017, the interest of um, millennials investing in uh, a 401k geared towards social, sustainable investing rose from 84% to 86% of of total um, millennials interested in this area. Yeah. So, and I think the noteworthy point there isn't even the rise; it's the baseline. Yeah, you know, so exactly eighty, you know, eighty percent interest. Um, what What are we seeing in terms of activity? So, I know it sounds like they haven't sort of reached the peak of their investment activity, but I'm always curious when we hear these studies that say, you know, X percent of women are interested in investing in this or 86 percent of millennials are interested in retirement accounts that have a social impact bend. Um, Is that actually what they're doing with their money? Um, That is what the indication seems to be. 
generally what they, they, they do is they look at spending patterns of millennials and then derive their likelihood to invest ah. in this area from that. Interesting. Um, in terms of exact numbers of them investing in this manner, I don't have those specifically. What they're doing at Morgan Stanley essentially is forecasting sure. um, where this trend is expected to go in the next few years and specifically in retirement. Um, not uh, individuals investing on the side or in their own uh, 401k or their, their own IRAs. Um, what they're taking a look at more is um, attitudes, rather. So millennials are going to be twice as likely to purchase from a sustainable brand. They're three times more likely to seek an employer that has a sustainability focus in the long-term plan Yeah, we of see that company. in our students as well. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so you've we've talked a little bit about the, the financial planning um, history, talked a little bit about the change in millennials. Can you tell us about this new certification then? What exactly does it involve? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so um, the title, the uh, Chartered SRI Counselor, if you'll notice, I did not define what SRI is in the title, mm-hmm. um, namely because, and, and I'm sure your listeners know that uh, the, the latest um, acronym is Sustainable and Responsible Investing, though it was derived originally from Socially Responsible right. Investing. Um, but the, the shift in, in change of attitudes around the way the acronym is presented is the reason why I chose not to define it in the acronym itself. So um, if you're curious about that, that's the reason why. <laughs> Um, so we're assuming that at 8 a.m. our listeners aren't aren't quite that sharp. <laughs> <laughs> we're not all well, catching that new onset so, uh... <laughs> halfway through our coffee. Um, but so right by any other, you know, whatever the name SRI is, you know, Im- impact investing. Um, right. What is what does it take to get the certification, and what does it mean your uh, certified financial planner can do and help you with differently? Um, so. Uh... Firstly, too, this is the, the first and only professional designation focused on SRI currently in the United States. And um, we're using uh, data within this course that's derived primarily by U.S. SIF, mm-hmm. and uh, they are our partner on this. Um, and uh, as this course progresses in development, um, we hope to have an advisory board that is created um, partly from our individuals and also from the experts that U.S. SIF recommends um, in different areas of SRI to ensure that all the information that we present is important info, it's going to be relevant, um, and it's going to be effectively covered. And um, Go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, so help me understand exa- a little bit more about um, the, the details of this. So sure. if I go to one of your... Um, somebody who has a chartered SRI counselor designation... Mm-hmm. What what's the base of knowledge that this person has? How what what kind of questions are they going to ask me? How are they going to guide my investments? How is this different than just understanding that the financial aspects? Yes, exactly. I, I'm sorry, I had forgotten the original question. <laughs> um, we get excited and carried away by our conversations too. So um, this is really a way for uh, financial planners primarily at larger institutions, to differentiate themselves from their peers. So what it's going to do and is essentially provide, and there's seven modules with this course, seven mm-hmm. modules being um, individual uh, 
booklets, if you will, um, that we go through uh, and have review questions for each individually. Um, so we go through a basic foundations and history of SRI, we talk about the, the, how each of the terms are derived. Um, one of the main problems that um, people have mentioned that having in the industry is understanding the language really? uh, behind it. Yeah, uh, this is a, a common um, a common concern of a lot of advisors. I, I sit in on um, some education courses that they have in SRI, and when asked about why, you know, even if they've been in the industry and focused on this field for several years, they still want to know: Did anything change? What did I um, miss along the way? Um, and then uh, we also talk about different approaches to SRI practices. There's sort of the negative approach, right. the positive approach. And, and just for our listeners, if, if you haven't caught this on a, on a previous episode, the negative approach, um, it refers to negative screening. And this is one of the earlier ways we saw what is now the broader umbrella of impact investing, which would be an investor saying, I want to screen out guns out of my portfolio. I want to screen out tobacco. Exactly. And so you're these can be referred to as like sin stocks sometimes where portfolios will actually just say, you know, I'm not concerned as much with what's in it, but these guys are definitely out. And then the evolution happened to saying, you know, not only do I want to say these are out, but I definitely want to look for companies that, you know, are doing X, Y, or Z. So that's that's what uh, Jennifer was referring to there. Yes, exactly. Thank you. No worries. <laughs> Um, and also a big area is shareholder advocacy mm -hmm. and corporate responsibility. So there are some advisors who are having clients that want to know more about shareholder advocacy and just have no idea how to approach it. And uh, this is a way to demonstrate um, how actually easy it is for investors to use their shares as a proxy to be able to um, – uh, influence companies that they are shareholders of to change different practices that they have, that kind of thing. Um, additionally, there's um, when you there's another module that's uh, talking about incorporating SRI into the financial advising practices, um, how to go about portfolio construction mm -hmm. with that in mind. Um, I also have a module where I talk about uh, ESG performance and risk metrics, and also different ratings, um, because there's so many companies coming out now. As with any trend in the industry, yep. if there's something to, if there's money to be made in an area of research, they'll find a way to get their hands in there somehow. So there's there's dozens of firms that are coming out with their own rating system, rating metrics, um, both in the U.S. and abroad, actually, yes, yes. and um, it can get really confusing, especially for advisors to try and say, well, which one's the better one to recommend or use when analyzing these. And what I try to emphasize is that um, you can't just look at one area. Um, you have to see the broader picture. Otherwise, you're going to form a bias towards a certain company, towards a certain uh, a research provider. And you definitely don't want to have that. You want to have an open mind and a full picture. And uh, this is something that I want to emphasize in, in that. Um, additionally, uh, we have just about every one of our programs at the college incorporates a module on uh, fiduciary and ethical regulatory issues. Mm -hmm. So we really, especially with SRI, 
um, we really want to emphasize the fiduciary relationship with clients and understand that this is um, an extremely important and extremely necessary thing to be able to um, work with them and understand that this is a very ethical area of investing and uh, understand where we've come in that regard and also where we should be going with that. And then lastly, um, current and future challenges in the industry. And obviously, uh, that's something that needs to change actively um, when uh, providing this program. Otherwise, it gets a bit stale. But the idea is really to just have uh, students be knowledgeable about what is going on in the industry related to SRI today, where it's going, and um, to keep an open mind and to keep um, reading up on this and understanding it. And that's how you're going to be able to better serve your clients in this area. Yeah, and it's interesting because we've all we've been talking amongst ourselves, and then with with some of our industry contacts, and and there, there really is a hypothesis that a lot of the reason why we're not having more actual investments going into broadly construed impact investing in SRI is precisely because the the financial planners don't know enough to feel comfortable with the with the topic, and so mm-hmm. they are mm-hmm. they're not leading with it, they're not bringing it up, they may even deflect the question if somebody asks for it. So I mean, giving them this kind of deep knowledge, I think, means it's going to be possible for more people who are thinking about their investments to go to somebody who can at least guide them in a different way. Yeah, and is comfortable having those conversations, to your point, Cheryl. You want your financial advisor to be an expert. Um, And so we, we have good reason to believe that when folks don't feel that expertise and a client brings it up, they're not as eager to have that conversation. Um, I'm curious, Jennifer, when it comes to the reporting that these financial planners are doing to their clients, is there a shift in what is being expected or requested in terms of impact outcomes in addition to the financial outcomes? So it is, you know, we all imagine going to our financial planners and saying, okay, what's my annual or quarterly update? How are my how are my finances of my investments doing? But are folks asking for impact updates as well? And what does that look like? So um, I do believe that's true, and, and it's part of this um, way to advise clients is to um, also note that um, what, and especially when you interview the, the, the client to understand what exactly they are looking for, a long-term impact, if they want to invest in their communities, that sort of thing. Um, this is something that I think firms need to take a look at incorporating into their uh, comprehensive working is that, yes, um, risk minimization is important, performance of the funds and their investments are important, but also, yes, the impact component to that. Um, trying to measure the impact component, though, is difficult. Yep. And uh, because, obviously, it's a very qualitative um uh, notion, especially if you're not going to be dealing with uh, dollar shifts, that kind of thing. Um, and it depends also very much on the specific project. So um, there is a module where I go into detail on what those kinds of impact investments can look like and typically what you want as a result of investing in those. Let's say you had a community bond that was investing in um, uh, maybe school development in low-income communities. 
from there you can garner how much uh, money flow has gone into there, but then also um, find a way to um, demonstrate to these investors exactly what happened. So we built this number of schools, we added this yep. number of textbooks, that kind of thing. Um, ways in which the advisor can obtain uh, details from those um, specific organizations that issue these investments is going to be important too. They need to understand that. Yeah, um, and we're seeing some yeah. more more development along the way. Well, we've reached the end of our segment. Thank you so much. We've been talking to Jennifer Coombs, who's a professor at the College for Financial Planning, about their new uh, SRI uh, counselor certification. Um, and so, you know, advice for listeners is be looking for that. There will be people taking these courses. They're going to be know, have more information. They're going to be able to help you think about how to invest and use your dollars to vote for the world you want to create. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for joining us, Jennifer. When we come back from our break, we'll be talking to Jeff King, who's the Senior Director of Sustainability, Corporate Social Responsibility, and Social Innovation at the Hershey Company. We'll be gone for a few minutes, and then we'll be right back. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 